All right, thank you for joining me on the Seven Figure Flipping Podcast. My name is Mike Simmons. I'm filling in for Bill Allen today. I'm excited to be doing so. It's always a, a thrill and a, and a treat to be on this show, and hosting it is a ton of fun because he has some awesome guests and some really fun people to talk to. Today's no exception. We are talking to Mark Doty today. He is a member of the Runway Program. He joined Seven Figure Flipping back in October of 2020. He was at the virtual event, and he's having some big stuff happening in his business, and it's really growing. He quit his full-time job just a few months ago, and he's going to talk to us about getting to that first deal, what it takes, what the sacrifices are, the mindset shift, all of those things that happen as we approach and get to and get into our first deal ever. And we're going to have a great conversation. It was a lot of fun. Uh, we uncovered some really uh, some interesting things that happened to him in his first deal. And uh, he learned a lot. And there was a lot of a lot of things that happened along the way. Uh, before we do that, I just want to remind you guys, we talk about it a bit during the, the conversation, but he actually found us uh, during the Flip Hacking Live event. He went to the Flip Hacking Live in October and he heard about seven-figure flipping and he knew that he had to be a part of it. If you guys are interested in going to to the Flip Hacking Live event. It's happening in October, and it's going to be in Orlando. It's going to be a live event, so you can go in person this year again. So that'll be really, really fun. It's October 14th, 15th, and 16th. And there are going to be some of the most incredible speakers on stage just literally teaching from stage up there, giving away all the goods, tons and tons of like really actionable stuff, things that you can take, go home to your market, go home to your business and apply immediately and instantly improve your business. It's a really great event. Right now, the tickets are on sale at fliphackinglive.com. So if you go to fliphackinglive.com, grab your tickets now. They're never going to be cheaper than they are now. They're only going to go up in price as the event gets closer. So go there and get your tickets now and be at the event in Orlando live with Bill Allen and all the speakers that are going to be there. I'm going to be there too, and I can't wait to see you guys there. Okay, let's get into my discussion now with Mark. My name is Bill Allen, and I'm the leader of a group of elite house flippers and wholesalers called Seven Figure Flipping. We don't brag or show off our success, but instead let integrity and stewardship be our guide. We are dedicated to helping people unlock the freedom they desperately need. If you ask other real estate investors, they will say to keep your secrets quiet. But we believe in abundance, not scarcity, and that's why we are the elite. We are Seven Figure Flipping, and this podcast is our playbook. All right, Mark. Thank you, man, for doing this. I appreciate you joining me here on the Seven Figure Flipping Podcast. I'm excited to be guest hosting today and really excited to be talking to you. And the subject that we're going to be talking about is super relevant. A lot of people need this information. So I think it's going to be a lot of fun. But uh, before we get too deep into that, why don't you tell the folks listening a little bit about yourself, who you are, uh, wh what you did before real estate, and maybe why real estate became a path that you decided to go down? Okay, awesome. But yeah, I mean, Mike, thanks, thanks for bringing me on the show. This is cool. Um, um, so I, I grew up in the Midwest. I went to school at Missouri, lived in Chicago for a little while, and uh, got super sick of the weather that they have in uh, your part of the world. Um, just that gray weather for like six months out of the year. Yeah. Um, um, and then I, uh, I've been in sales ever since I graduated from college, um, different advertising stuff in Chicago. And then when I, when I decided to just quit and move to San Diego from Chicago, um, 
I, I got into medical device sales. So I had a couple different jobs for a little while. I think your like first partner might have been. He might have been. He had kind of a similar similar. Yeah, background. he's still my partner. Yeah, he's he was a yeah pharmaceutical sales guy. Okay, so you know you've got like a ton of flexibility in those jobs. Mm -hmm. um, you make pretty good money, and I was just like building up and building up. I, I read Rich Dad Poor Dad. You know, like a million other people. I uh, just got the bug. I was like, you know, yeah. this is this is a, just a way to make money without. Um, putting the hours in and getting paid by the hour. You can actually do some deals. But um, yep. so I've been like, a, I've been a medical device rep, just going up and up and up and up that, that chain for a while, a lot of success. Um, uh, saved up some cash, uh, got married, had a, had a few kids. So now I'm like married with three little kids, um, just left that medical device job um, and have been just kind of doing projects on the side until about two years ago, I got a little more serious. What kind of projects were you doing on the side? Like, uh, like fix and flip stuff or buy and hold stuff. So like, uh, my, my first real project was, uh, my college buddy and I, I did an out of state flip. I was in San Diego. We, uh, we bought a, a bakery that burned down and turned it into a two bedroom, two bar, two, uh, two bed, two bath apartment. Um, and then flip that, um, the, the next one that I did was like a live-in flip um, where it, it wasn't even like major work. I mean, it was just like a kind of a cosmetic fixer that fit yeah. in our, our budget that I lived in with my wife. Um, I bought a beach rental. That's why I was a landlord for a little while. For that first, let's go back to the first flip yeah. because we're, I really want to focus on the first flip. So I don't want to get too deep down into that rabbit hole. When you did that first deal, were yeah. you married at the time? No. Okay. Uh remind me what you were you living in san diego like a single person working in the in the medical uh field medical sales field i i had just got i had just moved like i wouldn't even consider i thought i would even put that like more in my like playing around phase like if, if we wanted to talk okay. about like a first deal yeah i don't i don't think that's really the one to do because i was okay, okay. i was a uh i was an investor in that i didn't do that oh hands i see stuff. i okay you're right so, totally totally different situation so let's so you read rich dad poor dad is that was that the like the catalyst was that what actually got you kind of interested in in real okay good yeah so that first deal you did the first real deal that you did um married at that time yes okay talk to me about maybe before you even mentioned it or broached the subject with your wife at the time uh Tell me what you what you thought per like inside. Did were there any hurdles you had to go over? Were you like what? Like why wouldn't I do this? So obvious, so easy. Or did you have to like get over your own? You know, get over yourself a little bit. Yeah, like okay. So the the I'm gonna I'm gonna answer in a, in a roundabout way a little bit, okay. but I'll try to be succinct. All right. Um, I'll corral you if you get if you get okay. Cool. <laughs> yeah. So I so the thing that like changed in my brain. So rich dad poor dad was a big thing, but this is like years later. So I'm, I'm killing it in medical device sales and we go through a restructuring. Um, the company I was working for uh, did a major reorg and I went from like being like this, like my income going like this. I think I'm doing that right on the screen. Not. Yep. Um, so my income kept going up and then we do this restructure and I get promoted and I'm going to make 25% less. And I'm like, that's not cool. Like I'm not going to take this role. And then I was overseeing like other reps within the organization. And one of those guys was like, I'm not going to do this. I'm quitting. So now I was not only like this key account person, but my LA rep just quit. So if I want to make any revenue out of LA, I got to be the LA rep too. And I really don't like being in LA. I mean, that's like a huge transit. So anyway, so, so yeah. I was like, how can I make some different money? Like, 
like I went back and rethought about like all the things I was interested in about real estate. And I was just like, you know, I think I'm going to give this a shot again. And that was, that was like the, the thing that got me started. Um, so what, what, is that like what you're asking? Like what, was yeah, going what, 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 if anything, and maybe nothing. So you don't have to manufacture something, but what, if anything scared you about that decision to actually pursue real estate, even, even while you were working, like what, what, were there any challenges that you had just in your own brain about what that might look like and, and failure and, and risk and all that stuff? Well, like, I mean, I, I have, I'm filled with that right now because I just took that job. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but when, I, when I still had the job, it was like no big deal. It's like, yeah. can I actually do this? Am I, am I going to lose a bunch of money? Um, it, it, you know, it's like that, that uh, they're all going to laugh at you. You know, like that, yeah. like sound clip, yep. like that sort of thing. Like that was the stuff that was in my head. And I was just yeah. like, like a, resistance is yep i was the same way I, I tell people all the time the the monetary risk involved with real estate when i first started wasn't scary to me at all i didn't give it a second thought i i, I wasn't worried about like risking that but the reputation the, yeah. the harassment i mean I, I i have friends that really love giving each other crap and like i just knew what it would be like if i fell on my face and that was so I avoided it for a long time because yeah. I was afraid of that. What kind of, if any, again, like what, talk, talk to me about, well, let's talk about your wife. When you mentioned it to her, like you might've yeah. been cool with it. Was she cool with it? Did she see the, the light and then go, yeah, this is the greatest thing in the world. Go for it. I think it was more like she rolled her eyes and be like, yeah, fine. <laughs> we, we like financially yeah. we could do it. Like, yeah. like we had, we had the fine financial wherewithal to do it. And that was a big part of it. Like yeah. if, if I wasn't well capitalized for my first deal, I mean, it went way over budget, okay. but I, 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 I stuck it out and then I saw the return on the end. But yeah. like, if I didn't have the cash on the side and we had the cash on the side that, so that, that she was like, she wasn't into it. She's still not into it, but she's like, you want to do it. You're passionate about it. You, you like this. Um, but definitely like some convincing on going from like the first one where I still got a job to no yeah. job. And this is my income now. Like yeah. that's a, a little more, uh, more than an eye roll from, from her on that one. Yeah. Let, let's talk about some of the things that you had to sacrifice from finances. I mean, again, you had the money, so I'm not saying necessarily like sacrifice in a negative way, but what did you have to commit financially and what did you have to sacrifice time-wise? What, what did that look like for you? And was that anything that gave you pause? Because, I, you know, listen, if you're going to do it while you have a job, th there's probably some level of personal time you're giving up at that point, unless you've managed to start another business without giving up one minute of personal time, which would be, that's where you should be focusing and writing a book on how to do that. But what, what did it look yeah. like for you? Uh, personal time, financially, like what was that? What were those sacrifices like? Um, good questions. So like, um, I'm moving the screen on purpose because I didn't have any of these books when I started. So okay. I got, I, okay. you know, I, I didn't have any of them. So, and I, and I love college football, college sports. Like I, I'm, I'm a geek about that. I don't, I don't watch that anymore. I yeah. watch TV. I, yeah. I love, you know, I did. Um, I cut every like subscription that I had um, from like just any kind of five, eight, 12, $20 a month gone yeah. just because I don't, I don't want the overhead. And mm -hmm. I don't want to pay for that. And I, I got up. I mean, I start like miracle morning type stuff. Um, yep. I'm getting up early. I'm not watching TV and I'm not spending money on anything that I don't have to spend money on. Cause I'm just saving up and, and, and learning. I mean, I, it was like two years of just like, 
nothing but like bigger pockets podcast in my car and no music there it's seven figure flipping books. podcast you know all, all the it's great ones yeah all, <laughs> all the great later. ones it was later it was later when i got in there which is <laughs> no, awesome i, hear you. I joined I, seven figures so. yeah, yeah yeah i found bigger pockets first too they're huge obviously it's where a lot of people go um no that and that's it that's really important that you say that because um, getting up early, giving up college sports. Like I'm, I'm a huge sports fans too, sport fan too. And I realize at some point, if I want to do something new, if I want to start something new, if I want to grow, if I want to take on things that I'm not currently doing there, you just have to give things up. And in the people who tell me they don't have time to do a real estate, you know, I can't do real estate on this. I don't have time. It's like, man, look at your day. Look at your week. Where are you spending your time? Like, just log it. Like, write it down. What do you do all day long, hour by hour? What are you doing? I most people waste so much time, and to in their defense, they don't even know it. They they don't even yeah. consciously register how much they're wasting, you know. Um, but they are, and and I like that you at least you said it right. I have to get up early. I cut out TV. Like, I I love sports. I love college football. I love college sports, but I can't do that. Um, and then got, as far as I got three little kids. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. like the, the, my oldest is seven, like they demand attention. Yep. So but yeah. I got to put my time in. Yep. And there's things that you can cut out because they're not getting you toward your goal, like college sports, I guess. And there's things you can't cut out and it's your kids. Right. So that, I yeah. mean, why do we do all this? Right. Most of us do it so we can have more quality time with people right. we love. So you can't cut that stuff out, man. But I, I like, I appreciate again, the, the, the transparency about cutting out all the little subscriptions. Cause people's like, well, what's the difference? 20 bucks a month. Yeah. But it's 20 bucks a month time, 10 of those things. Right. And that's overhead you don't need. And when you went, when you quit your job, um, that's not really what, what this discussion is focused around, but I assume there was a conversation there with your wife because that's a oh, big yeah. deal. You weren't making no money. Right. So yeah. that's a big decision. Um, but that first deal, let's talk. So we talked about the sacrifices that you made and those are pretty, those are pretty standard and, and they're, they're sacrifices. That a lot of people just aren't willing to make, right. They, they don't want to change anything about their life, but yet they want everything to change in the, in the results. Right. Um, and then some of those mental hurdles, which you don't have a ton because you had a full-time job. And I get that. I, I can totally empathize with that. When I had my full-time job, there is a sense of security there. So when people tell me, oh, should I just quit my job and do this? It's like, mm, maybe, but maybe not. Like, that's not for everybody. You have a wife or a husband and kids and responsibility and a car and a house and a mortgage and all this stuff. Like, I don't know if quitting your job, just cold turkey and doing it. I, I don't recommend that for everybody. Now, if you're 22 and you live in your parents' basement or you're, you know, you're making a, a, a what not, not a good salary and you just, you know, it's, there's not a lot of impact there, then maybe, maybe it is a good idea that at that point it make burn the boats, but it's not for everybody. I didn't do it that way. My wife's very conservative. Yeah. She did care. You know, when I quit my job, there was a discussion there, even though I was, yeah. I was killing it when I did it, but yeah. it was like, that's not a decision that's made easily. Cause I was making, I, I don't think I was making your money, but I was certainly making pretty good money. And so there was a big conversation there, but, um, yeah, those are the sacrifices, man. But like, so when you, to get to that first deal, talk to me about how you even found it. Where did it come from? Well, it was an MLS deal, but I found it because I was going to meetups. And one of the meetups was like a little dinner thing. And this agent was talking about two to four unit investment properties and just kind of like going through the metrics and the numbers on it. Um, so I found that agent and then that agent found it on the MLS. Okay. Okay. So and this was back in what what year was this? I know you this started 2018. Right. Okay. 2018. So 2018, as I remember, MLS deals were not super easy to come by, at least not where I'm from. 
Um, and I think a lot of people weren't finding a ton of deals on the MLS. So what were the overall numbers of that deal? You don't have to get granular, but if you can remember, what were the, the basic numbers on it? Um, I can touch on a bunch of things on of what you just commented about, about it being hard to find, but it was yeah. a duplex. It. it was a duplex in Metro San Diego for uh, 700,000. That blows my head off my shoulders. Coming from Michigan, th- those numbers, 700,000 is like a mansion, basically. <laughs> like that's insane. Yeah. Or it's like an incredibly nice duplex. Um so it was on the MLS, MLS 700,000. Was it a foreclosure or anything or just a straight up sale by a, some, a landlord? It was a straight up sale, but the uh, it was owner occupied and grandma and grandpa lived in unit number two and there was a divorce happening with the owner and his wife. Uh, okay, cool. So there's distress. Yeah, okay. How'd you finance that? Uh, so that's a good question. So like way before I, I freed up a HELOC and put that together, um, and that was where that was where the majority of my capital came from. I had a little bit of cash freed up. I partnered with uh, like one of my one of my wives' uh, husband, who's a, a real estate guy in town. He and I went in it together. Okay, um, that was it. Did you my guys dad, just pay cash for it, or did you finance it? Oh no, oh, no, 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 no. So then we put a eighty five percent LTV loan on it. Came up with fifteen percent. Gotcha. It closed relatively quickly, but we offered on the first day it was on the on the market. Wow. So I lost deals because I didn't do it immediately, mm-hmm. but there's the stress. We acted immediately and it was over a holiday weekend. So there was less competition. Was that stressful? Do you get stressed out about that kind of activity that, that real, like, uh, you know, urgent, urgent kind of putting in offers and, you know, going all in. Does that, is that, does that stress you out at all? Some, um, not a ton. It, it does, but not like I've, I've done it a few times now. I, at, at the time, I remember like uh, we didn't we didn't get to like negotiate over it. I mean, you're right that it was like a hot market. So mm-hmm. they're like the price is 700k, and I'm like, okay, how about 675? And they're like, no. And I already I'd already lost like four deals, and yeah. I just want to like get into one. So I'm like, I like the day I offered, and they're like, no, we're not gonna we're gonna we're gonna go to the next guy. I was just like, just give them a list price, and let's try to get it out of here. And that because worked. I'd already lost a few. Yeah. Okay. So was this deal, uh, tell, tell me what your end game was. What was the exit strategy here? Okay, so, so what I do is I try to buy, uh, how, I mean, this is a, kind of an evolved strategy, but it started with this deal. We bought a duplex that was on a multifamily lot and they had done a 900 square foot room addition. So our, our strategy was to buy it at a duplex price, add the, the third unit and get it uh, fully entitled so that it'd be an official three unit property. Okay. So when you do that, it's so much, it's so much addition of value that you can, you can pay list price. Yeah, for sure. And then, so you added a whole nother unit. That's pretty intense for a first deal. Yeah. Okay. Anything go wrong? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me, let me just, let me skip to the last chapter. Did you make money? Yeah. Okay. So you ended up making money. Did you make close to what you thought you'd make? Uh, more. You made more than you thought you were going to make and a ton. It sounds like a ton went wrong. I don't put words in your mouth, but the way you answered led me to believe more than one minor thing went wrong. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's, let's talk about it. Let's just real quickly, let's lay it out. What, what went wrong? So like that kind of deal is super complicated and you need like specialists. You need an architect who knows that kind of deal. That's why I was so surprised that was your first deal, but okay, go ahead. Well, I know that now because I hired a guy who didn't know what he was doing. So I, I hired a, an architect and he like, he was, he could do a room addition and, you know, in a normal house, like he's that guy. Yeah. Um, 
but he like used to work at the city development office. So I thought he knew people and I, I thought yeah. I was getting like the guy. Yeah. He wasn't the guy. Um, so I, so he was kind of going through, like fumbling through getting our, our, our drawings done and submitted, but he just like, wasn't doing anything. He wasn't calling us back. So, uh, we had, we had, we fired him. We got another guy who was, who was better, but still not like a specialist in that world, um, yeah. who, who worked through it. Um, you know, we had a couple contractors bail, you know, some kind of shady stuff that there, I mean, like nothing over the top, just, it was like your normal yeah. running through, like hiring guys that are cheap, yeah. that, yep that they'll do the work and then they mostly do the work and then somebody else might finish the work yeah um and then yeah and then COVID happened so co like i'm supposed to i'm supposed to be done with this deal in like six months it's like a year and a half later and COVID hits yeah because i i bought it in 2018 and all of this stuff like took a long time we we were above water because we did the first two units and then walled off the the addition pretty early. So we've got a rental income that's just breaking even. So we're not like bleeding this whole time. Yeah. Um, but the third unit, like getting that done just took forever. Then COVID happened. And then, you know, it just made everything take longer. Yep. Well, I, maybe, maybe the reason why you ended up, cause I, I didn't realize the time frame that this spanned, but once COVID hit, I know last year at this time, prices were soaring. Like, so yeah. I don't know when exactly you sold it, but uh, did you, were you able to take advantage of that market surge? Yeah, we we didn't sell it. You but didn't sell. It. Oh, you still own it. Yeah, we did a burr. Oh, okay, 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 okay. Got it. So you cashed out. So you you made money that way and just held on to it. I got you. I asked your end game, and I don't think I let you get to the end of what you were doing. I heard the process. Um, okay, cool. So you burred it, pulled that money out, paid back the loan, uh, and or maybe you didn't pay back the loan. Did you pay back the original loan? Then is that how that worked for you? Just and then took yeah. the equity out. Yeah. So after, after all, everything went wrong and all that stuff, and then we finally got it done. We did a cash out refi. Yep. We got all of our original capital back. Yep. Um, so all the money that we put into it, we paid off the loan. We got a little bit back, but then we have like 400 grand in equity off yeah. of a, a 700K duplex. So, I mean, like that's not in my nice. pocket. But yeah. If I ever yeah. sell that thing, you know, and, it, and it's positive cash flow now, which is hard to do in this kind of market. Super like in, in, a, in a, an expensive coastal market, yeah. it's, cash flow doesn't just like, you don't find those deals. No, I, I mean, yeah, I, I don't live in that market, but I tell people all the time, it's next to impossible to get cash flow in a, in a coastal market like that. I mean, is it in San Diego, like actual San Diego? Like San, mailing address? The, wow. Yeah, the city of San Diego. That's crazy, man. Yeah, like four miles from the ocean. So, all right, let, let's wrap up this conversation. I would love to hear, uh, you know, two, three, what are you, three and a half or three, over three years into this adventure. Um, yeah. You just recently quit your job. I don't know if we paid enough attention to that when you said it. Uh, you quit yeah. your job just a couple of months ago, right? Yeah. High paying job. Good job, right? Probably yeah. people that, that you work with think you're nuts, but um, yeah. you, you left a great job. What would be your advice to, to people who are trying to get to that first deal? Maybe they haven't bought it yet. Maybe they haven't even started their real estate company, right? They haven't got their LLC or whatever. What would be your advice to people as they're kind of rolling into this phase and they're thinking about like, I, I want to get this going. I want to be a real estate investor. I'm going to go for my first deal. Like, what, what would you tell them? Um, so like one of the, 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 a piece of advice that I got from the seven figure flipping community that I really took to heart was making offers. Like, cause that changes. It's, it's one thing to like look things up online and Redfin and like, even like run your numbers and do your comp, your comps. And like, like you have to do all that stuff first. Like you have to understand your market and like get in a small geography 
and like think of, well, what would I pay? Well, what would I pay for this deal and how would it make sense for me? But it really starts to make sense when you put some something on the line and make an offer, mm -hmm. you know, like that, that changes you. Then you're like, then it goes from you being like, oh, how do people find these deals? Is this market so hot? I could never do that. Like, how do you, how do you find a deal? I can't find one. And I've never made an offer because, you know, Redfin didn't have one screaming, you know, this is a yeah. deal, Mark, yeah. come get it. So, but, so just make, make offers. Then like, if you make offers and, and you put them in, the agent sees that offer and they're like, okay, well, he just put in three offers this week and he put in three offers last week. Well, now I got a deal. Maybe I'll call him. And if you do that enough times, they just call you. Like yeah. it doesn't take that much, that much time, but it, it's real. Like you're putting an actual offer in. Yep. And like, yeah, you need an agent, a, an agent that's friendly and kind of understands your philosophy and somebody who who do that and, and do the offers for you and put you on a listing and stuff. But like until you make the offer and then like follow through on the offer, nobody's going to take you seriously. So you can talk a big game, but you gotta make what, do you, what, what about people who say, I'm afraid of screwing this up. I'm, I'm afraid of all the things that can go wrong. Like all those limiting beliefs that people have. What do you think? What do you, when people, if people ask you, like, how do you, how did you get over the fear? Of you're, just gonna, it up? You're, you're gonna screw it up. There like, you go. Yeah. Like you're gonna screw it up. So just like be prepared for that. Like, like that's how you learn. Like I went in, I went into that deal. My first, my first like real deal, not like the out of state flip thing, the, 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 the duplex, like, and I screwed up a lot of things, but they're all fixable. Yeah. They're all fixable. You got to have reserves. If you've got cash, you can fix anything in this game. I mean, there's exceptions, but like, if you're not buying that exception, don't buy a house that's like burned down with mold yeah. and, you know, foundation issues, but like buy a cosmetic fixer. And if things go wrong with it, just have some money in the, on the side or a partner or parents that you could ask for money so you can get to the other side right. because they're, you don't know what's behind those walls and neither, neither does your agent or your contractor or anybody until you actually take the wall off. And you found you things have, inside the walls, didn't you? <laughs> didn't you find them, Mark? You must have found things inside the walls. Now, I, I totally agree with you, man. Like the, the bottom line with that statement, I think, is that you will make mistakes. Things, you will screw things up. There will be problems, right? But real yeah. estate is remarkably forgiving. It really is. Yeah. You know, if you do it right in the beginning, there is room for error, right? We're all, there's big profit margins in these deals a lot of times. So, you know, it's like, a lot of times what I hear is, oh, I did this deal and it was a disaster. Like it was the worst thing ever. And I'll go, well, did you make money? And they'll go, yeah. And I'll go, okay. But, but you didn't make as much as you thought you were going to make. Yeah. That's the disaster, right? I thought and I was going to make 30 and I made 10 and it's a disaster, right? Did, did you learn not to make that mistake again? Yeah, exactly. Yep. A lot of times we get paid to learn what not to do, right? We end up yeah. making money. And like you said, you made more than you thought and you learned a ton. So yeah. Remark real estate's remarkable that way. So you, you mentioned real quick, seven figure flipping. I just want to ask, cause I'm, I always love hearing this and, and what people have to say. So when you went to, uh, you went to flip hacking live last year in 2020, I believe, right. Yep. Uh, which was a virtual event. What, what were your thoughts walking away from that? You went in, did you go into it thinking I'm going to join the seven figure flipping group? Like I want to be no. in the mastermind. Okay. You didn't, most people say that too, right? They just go because they're hoping to extract a lot of information from that weekend. And I, I assume that you did, but what made you, what made you go further? And if you didn't, by the way, you can say that too, but I, it would be weird if you didn't get any information that was good, but then you joined the group. So I'm assuming you got good information, but what yeah. made you take that move to, to actually join the group? So like, I had a plan. I mean, I had a real plan and my plan was to quit my W2 job. And I knew that I knew that I needed some resources 
because my network here in the RIA and just other stuff, like I didn't have like mentorship or people that I could ask questions to. Yeah. So I went into Flip Hacking Live and like enjoying the group afterwards uh, in a very transactional expectation. Like, uh, like Bill asked me in Cancun, um, he was like, why'd you join? I'm like, well, I honestly, I joined just because I wanted to be able to ask somebody questions. But then like, I realized like it's way more than that. Like I got that. I, I, was, I was super skeptical about it being like a scam and just like, you know, paying for a guru. Like, yeah. but I thought it, even, even if it was close to that, I was like, I still need some resources. But then I went into it and it's totally different. It's like, I got a, I got a roadmap on stuff to do. I follow like, like one of the, one of the guys that's in San Diego gives a ton of, of advice about like free marketing that I just followed. Like, yeah. like I just watched his videos. Was it Jesse? Was, Is that who you're talking about? Jesse. Yeah. 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 Jesse. Jesse's yeah and I'll, yeah. And I've told him this, like I, I, I made him go out to lunch with me one day and I was just <laughs> like, dude, you're awesome. You like totally showed me a bunch of stuff. Yeah. Um, but, but he gave me like a, like a roadmap. The, the group gave me the kind of resources that I needed one to just like start finding deals, like put those offers in, get the ball rolling, get out from behind your computer and actually go do something. And then, and then it kind of like gave me the next step, which is more like a fun, like fundraising for me at this point. Um, but it just like gave me like kind of the steps on here's what you should be working on. And then when you get good at it, then do this thing. Yeah. hundred percent. And I, I totally agree with you. I hear that story so many times and guys, if you're listening to this and you're like, what's this flip hacking live thing he's talking about? Like I, I need to be there. Uh, it's happening this year in October on October 14th, 15th and 16th is in October. Orlando, Florida this year. So it's going to be, I don't know if you're going to go to it, but it's going to be a trip for you if you go. Uh, but we, we have it in San Diego for a number of years and now we're moving it to Orlando. I don't know, maybe just for this year, we'll see. But it's on October 14th, 15th and 16th. If you go to fliphackinglive.com, you can grab your tickets. I, I've been telling people this who've been asking me about it. The tickets are as cheap as they will ever be right now. I know because I've been involved in every single one, the ticket price goes up as we get closer to the event. So if you're thinking about it, or if you know you're going to go and you're just putting off, like actually hitting the button, go do it. Cause you're going to save hundreds of dollars by just doing it now because it's cheap as it's ever going to be. And, uh, I, I think if you go to the event, whether you join the mastermind or not, it is an absolutely worth every penny that you're going to pay because the fact of the matter is, and stop me if I'm wrong, Mark, but I've been every single one of them. I'm still taking notes like a fiend, like I'm new in the business. I just take notes like crazy because every speaker that goes up just delivers. Like they just give you, they just give away knowledge and information. They don't, they're not holding back because nobody on stage is like, professional speaker and like they're, they run the circuit. Like, no, these are just like investors who are in our group who are just killing it in their market. And they have usually a lot of them have like something they're just great at. And so Bill will say, Hey, can you go on stage and just like teach them, teach people how to do that? Like you're great at that. Is cold calling is what you're great at. Great. Go on stage and teach people how to build a cold calling system in their business. So you could literally go there, take notes and change your business forever, like hundred um, percent. But once you're there, you start realizing how much you're getting but how much more you don't know, right? It's like, it's the curse of knowledge. The more knowledge you get, the more you realize what you don't know. So uh, that's what I think drives a lot of people to do exactly what you did. So thanks for saying that, it's very cool. Um, guys, that first deal is, is everything. I, I have talked to more people than I could possibly count who have never made an offer to your point, Mark. They're like, I'm in the game and I can't, I don't know what to do. Like, what do I do next? I need help, I need someone. It's like, have you made an offer on any properties yet? No. Like I've got a relative who I won't name because it's embarrassing for that person, but they approached me almost four years ago now and said, I want to start 
flipping houses. And I know you can help me. So please help me. And I gave them probably more help than I've given to anybody. And, and, and still to this day, there's, there's no offers. Like nobody, he's not, he's not making offers. Right. So it's like, what do you want from me? I can't help you if you won't start making offers. So that's what 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 if my offer is really low. That, then good because you probably made 10 other ones that week it, hopefully if you're listening to me and it doesn't matter like don't even like that's a good point too people I'm a wholesaler by nature like that's my business is wholesaling I do flipping and I, I'm a landlord but wholesaling is where I've sort of like grew my business and I'll tell you the dirty little secret of wholesalers is we want you to make offers even if they're a lot lower than what we're asking we want you to make offers because your offer helps us understand if we have to go back to the seller and renegotiate, it gives us a frame of reference of what we have to do to do that. And a lot of wholesalers, myself included, a lot of times will ask more from our buyers than we really think we're going to actually get. But there's a lot of reasons why you do that. Some of them are because sometimes you do get it. Like I do get crazy high offers sometimes on houses that I never thought I would be able to sell for that much. So sometimes I get it. Sometimes it's just anchoring, right? It's like, I'm asking, you know, I'm going to say number in my market, you're going to laugh, but I'm asking 85 and I know I probably won't get more than 70, but, but if there any, if there's two or three people that showing, I might get closer to 80 than 75. Right. So there's a lot of psychology there, but just make offers, man. And if they're low, and if, especially if you're talking to wholesalers, they don't care. Like they just, they're going to take them in and do what they're going to do, but I wouldn't worry about low offers. They're going to be low. And if they're not low, you're probably doing something a little wrong in most markets. You're doing something wrong. So. Yeah. Agreed. That's all, <laughs> That's all I wanted to say. Just like, I know. <laughs> yeah, I realize sometimes I talk for a long time. No, man, but listen, that first deal, there's a lot of psychology there. I get it. And, uh, and, and you know, you're going to make mistakes and, and all that. So here, here's what it boils down to. Get a plan and, and start executing. Start making offers. Your plan doesn't have to be perfect. We joked around, I think, before we hopped on the mic here. I don't think we were live. And we were talking about CRM. And you're like, here's my CRM. It's like a whiteboard behind you, right? Yeah, it's this. Now, this is- this is my whole CRM. It yeah. Doesn't, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're not like making offers or like getting into deals or people totally. don't take you seriously. Who cares about your logo, your LLC, your CRM? Totally, man. You don't have to keep track of leads if you're not making offers. So get out there and become a real estate investor. Do a deal, make money, and rinse and repeat. And then the, the CRM can come in and, and the logos and the business card. Like, but don't focus on that. Some people focus on all the prep and never actually put their foot in the water, right? It's like, yeah. don't buy, don't buy the flippers. Don't buy the, you know, the water wings and the rafts and the, like get in the water and learn to swim. And then you can buy all the toys. So, all right, man, well, listen, I appreciate you doing this. Thanks for taking the time. I really do appreciate your transparency and, and your honesty about what you did and, and some of the things that went right and wrong. And uh, I wish you nothing but luck, man. I hopefully uh, I'll be seeing you soon. Um, I know you're, you're in the group and you're doing some big stuff. And, uh, and so I, I, I can't wait to follow your progress. I'm excited for you. Awesome. Thanks, Mike. I mean, totally appreciate being on like on the podcast. It's a cool experience. Yeah. Same. I liked having you here. So thanks for doing this, man. And we will talk to you soon. Okay, cool. Thanks. What if you could raise $500,000 of private capital in the next 30 days to fund your real estate deals? How would that change your business? How would that change your life? I've put together a 30-day challenge that will walk you through how to get access to all the private funding you'll ever need at incredibly low interest rates on your terms when you need it. It's called the 500K Challenge. This is the same system I've used to raise over $15 million the past few years. 
And you're not just going to learn how to raise it. You're going to actually start finding this money yourself within the next 30 days as you go through the challenge. This is the single most important skill any real estate investor needs to have, whether you're flipping houses, buying multifamily properties, wholesaling, or anything else. Jump in and start raising private money now at 500kchallenge.com. I'll see you guys on the inside.